Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Cass- Fish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation. Driven Radio. Hallelujah. We can see everybody in person. (laughs) Oh my God. We're all in the same room. It's so live. Miracles never cease. This seems very strange, actually. I'm I'm so very happy to be back in studio with everybody. I am your host, Brett Hatfield, here with Motor Monster of YouTube's Craving Cars, Mr. Corey Pratt. As well as our steadfast and remarkable engineer, Mr. Catfish Groves. Halfway there. Halfway there. (laughs) Uh, We are coming to you from the glorious Driven Radio Studios in lovely scenic Overland Park, Kansas. We have with us this week our special guest, Mr. Ped Watt. Hi, Pat. Are, are, are you alive over there? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Still. It's following your intro word for word. Man, it's, <laughs> it's good to be back in the saddle. Really, really happy to be back in the studio. Uh, we want to hear from you. Tell us what you think, what you love, what you want to hear. Send us pics of your car, the story behind your car, something you'd like to have, some wild story you've got of something you did that you managed to survive. That's one of your favorite questions in an interview. And, you but know, it's always the best question. When we first started doing this uh, 40 billion years ago, uh, I, I thought it was just kind of a weird question. But the more I heard the answers, I'm like, that is freaking genius. <laughs> you yeah. know, every single one of us, good n- stuff. N- no matter your degree of car guidance uh, or car galness or car galness everyone's got a story of something that went heinously wrong <laughs> something you did so stupid <laughs> yeah and those are always the best stories because you just want to hear that there's people out there who are as dumb as dumb you as are. you are <laughs> lower the bar baby <laughs> so send your story to brett at readthedriven.com i will post them on the driven website at readthedriven.com this week, we have news about Jerry Seinfeld's Netflix series, uh, Why You May Want to Wear a Hard Hat in Your New Jeep Wrangler, Seven Cars to Watch <laughs> at RM Sotheby's online auction later this month, and our special guest, the aforementioned Mr. Ped Watt. He, uh, he's going to be telling us about uh, shooting motorsports events, uh, what it's like to almost be turned into a grease spot by a funny car, how he manages to spend time with <laughs> all of the that. rarest cars, and... Uh, his new coloring book for grown-ups. Nice. Uh, we got a lot of news to cover this week, so let's get to it. Well, it does sound like uh, Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee is done for. Damn. According to Road and Track, anyways. So, there's a lot of crappy reality-style car shows out there, but then there's Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee on Netflix. If you've never seen it, you definitely need to binge that bad boy. Absolutely. Uh, the show features famous personalities, mostly comedians, and a president in there somewhere, uh, who are friends with Seinfeld. Um, actually, I don't think there's a single one that don't know him or did not somehow grew up in that comedian uh, world without him. Anyways, uh, basically, they drive around in some really cool cars. Uh, they talk about some uh, fascinating topics. Uh, but unfortunately, according to Seinfeld, however, it doesn't sound like we'll be getting any new episodes. 
Well, it's hard to do it with that big plastic shield between you there on the console. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, it is. It it's hard is. to shift against that thing, too. you got to have that little hand well, space. Well, if, you, if you've got the stuntman Mike Plexiglass between you and your passenger. <laughs> oh, my God. Mike Plexiglass. <laughs> <laughs> You're in for the ride. Why is my seat metal? <laughs> Why is there a drain in the passenger? Just shut up and enjoy the ride. Shut <laughs> Well, when asked about the uh, future of his car-centric Netflix series, Seinfeld said that the series is unlikely to return. He adds that he uh, he feels like they may have exhausted the format over uh, more than 80 episodes. I sure wish we could disagree with him respectfully because yeah. I, I really like the way he does the show. I like the concept. I like the guests he's had on. He's had a couple of them more than one time. But I, that's that's actually something I'll sit down and watch a lot of episodes in a row, and they're not very long. No, actually, it's uh, it's really easy to actually watch them all. I hope he reconsiders. I'd really like to. I do. I, I feel like it's kind of like the uh, the Seinfeld TV show, though, where he ended on the top. It's kind of what he's doing with this, too. Side note about Jamie Foxx. I uh, I almost got punched by one of his bodyguards at the ABC Radio Networks. <laughs> I was sweet. I was round in a corner, and I didn't know that he was uh, he was down at uh, one of the other studios. They had the uh, Tom Joyner show uh, at the time. At that, it was in uh, Dallas, Texas, and I'm I'm you know, hauling tail trying to get to a studio, and I I round a corner just as they're rounding, and Jamie Foxx is right there, and I'm almost all over him. We both kind of uh, step back, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, and this mountain. Of a man steps up and it's just like bulking right at me. I, I'm guessing the guy's name was Eclipse because he just blocked out a lot of. Oh sun. my god! Yeah, and I'm like, I, I, excuse me. And Jamie Fox wouldn't even look me in the eye. He just was he looking was around Holocaust. everywhere, and then they just kind of walked through me. <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs> nice to meet you, Mr. Fox. Yeah. Sorry about all this trampling you, really. Well, from Haggerty.com, uh, your 2019 Jeep Wrangler, uh, you might want to take your corners a little gentle, a little soft. Apparently, during a uh, small front overlap crash test, mm-hmm. it crashed. The sl- There's slow motion video. It was released by Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, IIHS. And a current generation Jeep Wrangler Unlimited rolled onto its side after a small front overlap crash test. Slow-mo, you watch it, and I've seen mm-hmm. it. And it just kind of doink, doink. And, and I'm like, oh, God, you look just like an old yeah. Isuzu. <laughs> wow, yeah. That actually makes me sad because I, I, yeah. I like Jeeps, and I would not want the new ones to be well, the, worse than my old one, you know? The thing is, those Jeeps, they have such little impact it, oh, you know, yeah, such a little overhang on the front tires they don't really have much of an impact zone well it shows the driver's side front axle collapsing which shoves the wheel under the jeep before it eventually rolls onto its passenger side this resulting roll on its side earned it an overall marginal rating for Ooh. small frontal offset which so, yeah kind of it could have been worse then is what you're saying uh, marginally <laughs> speaking it's been marginalized <laughs> poor wrangler so uh when you go out and you when you look for that you know who knows maybe they will come up with a in a very fast and simple and they'll pay for it um fix to you know part on, of the undercarriage honestly Jeeps have had this issue along with Suzuki Samurais and some other little yeah, four-wheel yeah. drive off-road cars for a long time, and people don't quit buying them. So it, yeah, it's, it's something no. you're aware of. If you're buying a Jeep and you're not aware of the possibility of the thing uh, yeah. tipping over, then you're dumb. 
And I'm and I'm a curb checker anyway, so, so I'll stick with my. I wonder if Rubicon would do the same thing because they have a stronger axle. Maybe it won't collapse the same. So everybody buy Rubicons and you'll be safer. I See? think the axle's made to collapse <laughs> and go underneath the car rather than back into the car as part of the crash. There you go, boom. Chrysler, well, they mark that down. T- it's a safety thing. That's why it does that. They all tuck in, and then you put some more banana peels back in the thing mm. right behind it, and then you can go <laughs> to the future. Sh- yeah, yeah, you can go back to the future. <laughs> just put more airbags in it. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. Ac- how about some axle bags? Try, drive around with a bunch of happy birthday balloons in there. Quit your bitching. <laughs> All righty. Well, Haggerty says there's seven cars you need to be watching at the RM Sotheby's <laughs> expanded online auction coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, they've expanded their upcoming auction, uh, bidding on the uh, bidding in the RM Sotheby's driving into summer event is scheduled to begin on May 21st at one Eastern. And staggered closures on the lots now are, have been extended two days, starting uh, May 28th at 11 a.m. Eastern and continuing through the 29th due to significant consigner interest. That means there's a bunch of pent-up demand and people are tired about not being able to go to auctions and they want to bid on a lot more crap. Significant. Significant. Uh, Haggerty More Auction editor, editor Andrew Newton says uh, collectors obviously haven't lost their enthusiasm during the pandemic and they're ready to return to some semblance of normalcy. Quoted as saying, given recent activity on established online auction platforms, it's clear that people are still interested in buying and selling collector cars, even if they have to do so in a modified form. Uh, here are the seven to watch. Dun, 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 dun. Drum roll, please. I had to read this three times to make sure that I could pronounce it properly. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at this too. I'm like, I'm waiting. I'm glad I'm not yeah, doing this. I'm waiting. <laughs> Here you go, kids. 1966 Auto Bianchi Bianchina Panoramica. Uh, auction estimate is wow. thirty to forty thousand dollars. It good. is a no reserve car, so high bid takes it home. Haggerty Price Guide number two. Excellent value. So rare they don't even have one. Uh, <laughs> riding on a on a Fiat 500D chassis with a 499cc two-cylinder engine, the Auto Bianchi Bianchina Panoramica. The Auto Bianchi Bianchina Panoramica is surprisingly so spacious impressive. for a vehicle of its size. Painted in two-tone red over white, it underwent a full recent body restoration and is accessorized with period stickers, roof rack, and a picnic basket. Cool. It's a cute little car. It is a little, Seems little like it's tiny got a picnic car, basket. Though. I mean, why well, wouldn't it be cute? With a name like that to overcompensate, it has to be really tiny. <laughs> well, it's, it, 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 it's 14 syllables of Italian to describe a golf cart-sized car. <laughs> we were going to put the name of it on the car, but we wouldn't fit. <laughs> it went around twice. <laughs> Uh, number two, 1972 Datsun 240Z uh, auction estimate $35,000 to $50,000. Wow. For a 240Z. That's not bad. Who amongst us remembers like $2, when you could buy one of those bad boys for under five grand? Yeah. I'm raising yeah, my yeah. hand metaphor. I, I, I'm so there. Everybody here at the table. Uh, Haggerty Price Guide, number two excellent value on one of those is $42,000 now. Uh, introduced in 1969, the 240Z Im- immediately changed the reputation of Japanese cars in a positive way. Beautiful styling, a smooth 2.4 liter inline six, uh, overhead cam, independent rear suspension, and made the Z a solid all-around sports car. Its top get this, let this soak in. Its top speed of 125 was faster than the Porsche 911T and Jaguar E-Type of the day. That's insane. For about half the price. Is that well oh, for a lot less? Yeah. Uh, just 
yeah, un freaking believable. It, it could outrun a 911. Uh, number three, 64 Rolls Royce Phantom 5 Touring Limousine by James Young. Uh, estimate is sixty to seventy thousand dollars. Haggerty price guide number two, excellent value. Uh, number two, excellent condition. The value is one hundred sixty nine grand. There's a big number difference there. Yeah, no kidding. And this one was originally owned by Roy Clark, the country music legend. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, <laughs> and it's one of only two hundred and seventeen Phantom Five models with James Young coach work on it. Uh, Clark owned the Rolls Royce from nineteen seventy seven till he died in two thousand eighteen. And it's monogrammed with his initials. Doesn't it seem with... Now, granted, you have to be a real specific celebrity hound to want to go after something Roy Clark owned. But celebrity ownership. This thing has $30,000 in service completed by Austin's Luxury Auto Works in 2019. Doesn't it seem like this is way low on the estimate? No. No? No. You don't think so? I think the audience for this car is... Do you retired think, they're, do you, they're not buying this okay well maybe they well, are it wasn't like he was he was they're like not the buying 55 owner. chevys anymore they're probably looking for something more comfortable <laughs> well 64 rolls isn't isn't iconic it isn't really even that something pretty. you could play your roy clark eight tracks in oh you're darn too he probably has a in know, the back turntable in there <laughs> <laughs> finally balanced bang and olison and you gotta hey, have hey, a rolls royce to be able to play that without a skipping if it comes with a banjo and an acoustic guitar from roy's collection <laughs> oh, that probably push her over the top okay <laughs> 1970 pontiac trans am estimate 75 to 85 grand haggerty price guide number two value is 74 8 uh, even if bidding on this one gets to the high estimate, you're going to save a ton. This thing has had $120,000 worth of restoration wow. work done by Trans Am Depot, and it's only covered 789 miles since it was done. Oh, That's a bargain. It's also one of 1,769 70TAs equipped with a Ram Air 3 engine and manual transmission. Manual? Ooh, yeah, and a manual. manual. Like, that's Ram, awesome. Ram because... Air 3 and a manual. It's going to be a hot car for that. That's and cool. And 120 like in restoration. Restoration, boy, you you would think this thing would be spotless. Yeah, you're walking away with a sweet deal. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so it seems like bargain basement money on that. Uh, 2002 Ferrari 575 Maranello. These have been predicted by a lot of people to go through the roof for the manual transmission version, and this is one of those. Uh, Haggerty price. The estimate on the auction is two and a quarter to two seventy five. Haggerty <sighs> price guide number two value is two forty eight, which is one hundred and twenty three for the car and a hundred and twenty five dollars premium for the manual. Man. Oh I mean, I know they God. don't put manuals in there in the, More the than anymore. More doubles but. the price of the car. Yeah. But, but wow, I didn't realize it was that. Bull. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Mark's getting the automatic. Man. I'd buy the wow. automatic and I'd have an LS swap for $50,000 and F it. I'd just <laughs> right down I, that I'm not way. disagreeing with you, but of all the things I thought would get your panties in a wad, I didn't think it would be this. A $125,000 okay. transmission kind okay. of ties me up well, a little. <laughs> uh, they were rare. They didn't make many of them. One of only 246. Those are too to- damn expensive. Sorry. <laughs> One of only 246 575s, uh, 575 Marinellos in North American spec. This was the first year of the 575. 485 horse, 5.5 liter V12 and fitted with a highly desirable Fiorano handling package, 6-speed manual transmission, Giallo Modena. Have you seen, or Modena, have you seen this car? Did you see this sucker? No. This thing is eye-searing yellow. (laughs) It is scorching yellow. Uh, 
It currently displays fewer than 15,000 kilometers, 9,300 miles roughly. Oh, my goodness. So, no miles on this thing. Super rare car. And, yeah, over over a 100% premium for a manual transmission. Good lord. Yeah, yeah it's more for that manual than the car itself. <laughs> and it's still be, you know, eh? yeah. It's yeah. not perfect. But you know what? They're gated, though. Those cool little gated manuals. every mean, eh? Oh, man. They, they my favorite gorgeous. car in the whole collection. I'm typically not a big Ferrari fan, but I love 288 GTOs. I think they are sexy as they can be. I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, 1985 Ferrari 288 GTO. Estimate. 2.2 to 2.4 million Haggerty price guide number two condition is 2.35 uh, this Dang. was the first of Ferrari's uh, series of supercars uh, a race bred 288 GTO was built to impress so they say uh, it's equipped with a 2.8 liter V8 so uh, twin IHI superchargers or turbochargers pardon me pumping out a monstrous think about this in 1985 terms 400 horsepower in 1985. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, that's not such a big deal now when everything, you know, Camry's got 300. But uh, <laughs> in, at that time, that yeah. was extraordinary. Yeah, but what did a vet have back then? Like barely over 200? 240. There you go. Yeah. So monstrous 400 horsepower, 366 pound feet of torque, a top speed of 189 miles an that's hour. That's impressive. One of 272 very- produced. Uh, this one was purchased new by well known Ferrari collector Harmut. Ibing or Ibing, I'm, if I'm butcher, butchering his last name, I apologize. It's had only four no- owners from new. It's one of the few examples originally equipped with optional air conditioning and power windows. Last car on the list, 1995 Ferrari F50. The estimate's oh, wow. 2.5 to 2.75. Haggerty price guide number two value, 2.1. Uh, this was the second one of 349 produced. Matching numbers F50 was displayed at the 1995 Frankfurt Motor Show and shows only 3,371 miles. It's barely been wow. enjoyed. Wow, yeah, that's a new car. Uh, intended as an early celebration of the Mark's 50th anniversary, the F50 split the difference between raw Ferraris of the past and the high-tech future. Uh, 512, 4 point, 512 horse, 4.7 liter V12. Uh, fast, stupid, awesome, yeah. brilliant, all the things you'd want in a supercar. And uh, this thing went through the worldwide auctioneer's Scottsdale sale in January, failed to change hands at $2.5 million. So I'm guessing that they're hoping for a bit more on this one. That's it, it. That's the seven at two point five million. Two point five. It, it didn't, it didn't reach the minimum. Hands. Oh wow! Well, it yeah. doesn't come full paint job. Well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't ask for two and a half. Well, million. and you <laughs> doesn't have a trailer hitch. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, not an F one fifty. It's not the high class version. It's, it's an F fifty. I, I guess. Yeah. It, I guess if it had a forty on that on that nameplate then a 50 it probably would have got that uh, no f- the, the f40s aren't trading in that neighborhood i don't think really, no, really? Wow. i don't think i think one five I, yeah you can do uh, you can do an f40 below two million mm-hmm. and uh i hate to say it but that seems like good money for that car one to one five yeah for oh, yeah. on an f40 compared to what some of the values of some of the fries have gone up this is not near as high as far as some of those other classics no and i still think the f40 is a sexier car oh yeah i really do yeah so, our special guest this week, Mr. Ped, you're in the hot seat, dude. Welcome. Ped Watt of Watt Design Photography. We have lots of questions for you, so sit tight. We'll be right back with Mr. Ped. Cool. 
cool. Welcome back to Driven Radio. We are back with Mr. Pedwatt, still in the hot seat. Didn't get a chance to get up and run away anywhere. Uh, this is Ped Watt of Watt Design Photography. Uh, Ped has honed his motorsports photography skills on uh, racetracks across Oklahoma. His passion for storytelling expanded beyond the motocross track and over the last eight years. Is there anything you haven't taken pictures of in the automotive world? Drag racing, mud, sprint, road rally, formula drift, WEC. And then uh, you even did the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix and the Lone Star Le Mans. Ice racing. Ice racing. You haven't done ice racing? I, I really want to go to Canada and shoot them running on the, you know, the studded tires on the ice. and that, that'd be You're so serious? Much. I'm serious. I've never shot ice racing. Well, I know you never have, but you want to? Uh, kind of. That's cool. It's the one um, few things that's not on his list. And sand drags are the other ones. I okay. hate giving you compliments to your face. But then but, you get sand everywhere. Uh, yeah. Pet has shot what could only be described as car porn for the last few years. <laughs> the uh, the uh, static car art stuff he's done, car portraits. He's even done some of my cars, and that's part of why I have to say nice things about him. Ped, welcome back to Driven Radio. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Your stuff is exceptional. I've been telling you that for years, and uh, you know I, I hate giving that up to you because I just like watching your head swell. But considering you started as a hobbyist, your stuff is, is just fantastic. But how did you teach yourself to shoot at this level? Because I know you haven't had any formal training. So honestly on that, um, by accident and by, um, by failing a lot, uh, the first gig I had was at a motocross track. I went and shot. I'd been shooting for about three or four years as a hobbyist. And I got home. I went through the pictures and cried and <laughs> ordered every motocross magazine I could get my hands on and started studying from there. And it's been an obsession, especially of cars, um, specifically since then on how to carry a better story um, through my photography. So what do you think is the most important aspect of being a, a good or better than good automotive photographer? Um, like all photography, the only thing that truly matters, um, at the end of the day is the story that you tell visually in your image. Um, anyone, especially now can buy a high end camera, get the exposure, right? Get it, get it sharp. (coughs) Guilty. (laughs) But at the end of the day, if you look at the top hundred photos from the 20th century, most of them are out of focus. The exposure's wrong. All kinds of technical problems. They're centered frame. I go on for days, but at the end of the day, the story that's told in the image has transcended time and told part of the human experience. And that's what really matters in photography or any form of art. What drives you to keep finding new techniques? Uh, and, and I ask this because of some of the some of the stuff that you've shot. The flame shots that I'm sure would make most insurance companies tremble. Uh, the darkened warehouse shots, uh, and you've done some of my cars in that way. You you keep you coming up with cool new ways to shoot cars. What drives you to find these? So uh, photography for me is like learning a language. Um, I'm always trying to find a new nuance within the techniques, within the language of how to tell the story better. So like the fire shoots, which I have to give Easton Chang credit for coming up with the concept allow me to show a different way of the car to draw the viewer into the power or the ferocity or something about that unique car that makes you think of that power of like a huge fire. How'd you do that? 
How yeah. did, honest to God, how did you do that? Oh, it's, uh, it's really simple. You take fiberglass rope. Um, you call your insurance company. Um, <laughs> but, and then you take fiberglass rope. Um, you put it on a long uh, steel rod. You get a couple buddies with fire extinguishers. You dip the rope into kerosene. You take the rope away from the bucket with the kerosene. You light it on fire and do a long exposure. And um, as you walk behind the car, it continues because that's a, you do it at night. So as you walk behind the car, it creates that firewall oh, for you. Oh, okay. Like, I volunteered to let you do this when I thought you were going to have a big-ass fire around my car. Well, we can do it. If, <laughs> I, 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 I've tested fire. I feel a lot better about that. this now. <laughs> Speaking of fiberglass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you ever seen an old Corvette burn? Look, yeah. It goes up about like a, an old Christmas tree. Especially when you dip it in kerosene. No. <laughs> oh, and wave it around. I, I almost got to watch an 81 Porsche burn, so no. Oh. Yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, negatory. So what's the most surprising approach you've used, or what's the the thing that surprised you most when you did it for the first time? So um, a buddy of mine did a wide-body 81 um, 911, and we did a a laser grid on it because he – Oh. And when we started doing it, it was a jet black car and absorbed a lot more of the light than we expected, and the reflections that – developed out of the room by doing a longer exposure get the laser beams on the car created a really cool and it was a really surprising effect as on in this scene that really brought the image to life so you shot motorsports first and you've done static portraits and again it looks like car porn oh my god it looks so good um what's your favorite what do you like doing most um at this point car porn um so with motorsports, I kind of like going back to storytelling. I've learned all the stories that I enjoyed telling. I learned how to tell them really well, mm-hmm. and so the challenge kind of went away. Um, I I'd reached the point I kind of had access to most races I wanted to in the United States. Uh, so it made and it just kind of got telling the same stories over and over and over. You know, the track would change, the car would change, but. You know, a car coming around the corner sideways is a car coming around the corner sideways after a while. Did part of your de- departure from uh, motorsports, was it because you all had a funny car almost turn you into a grease spot? <laughs> um, actually, no, that didn't. Um, I, I have had a funny car try to turn me into a grease spot. You have to tell the story. Well, um, I mean, story really, there's not much story. You know, they launch about second half later. They hit the wall right about three feet away from your camera. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. And oh, that's all. <laughs> make you flinch just a little. Uh, you, you just dive. Um, but yeah, no, that was uh, that was scary. But I mean, that was that's just part of shooting motorsports. Um, no, what ended motorsports for me is a buddy of mine had a really bad wreck a year ago. Yeah, and that's um, the the smoke and stuff off of that was the first time it became personal enough to make me hesitate. Sure. Um, so. You have a new Kickstarter project, and it just debuted, and that's why you're here. Tell us all about it, mister. So um, we, we kicked off the rally. It's a, a coloring book for for what I consider a true car enthusiast. What we're doing with it, instead of building a coloring book around muscle cars or exotics or you know, fill in the blank, what we're trying to do with this coloring book is take 25 or 26 cars and really recreate the experience of going to a good car rally or a good car show. You know, so when you're walking through it, you know, you walk up and you see a 68 Camaro, you see a AMC Rambler. 
But then you walk around the corner and you walk up on to like a BMW Isetta, and you may or may not know what that is. Um, you it's know, a, it's a blister with wheels. It's <laughs> so know, cool. It's the, it's know. everything wrong with a car that I love. You know, and then you're going down, going on down the row, and you come across it like a Brass Era Maytag Mason. And then, like when you're walking back to the car, there's always that one car that that you're like, why is this not in the show? So, I mean, we've got everything from, like I said, a Brass Era, Maytag Mason. We've got a GT3. We've got a GTR. We've got a Panhard PL17. Um, Google that. It's a really cute car. And all the way to um, a street street park uh, Chiron from last year. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of fun to walk by and see that thing just sitting on the curb and think, what the hell is this doing here? Yeah. And uh, when I even went as far as when I drew the Chiron, I intentionally put made it look like a a car spotting event because that's kind of the feel that we're trying to translate. We really want that spirit. Even though I could change the background, we we wanted to match that moment that enthusiast has when they walk up on a car on their way back to the car in the parking lot. So what was your inspiration for the coloring book? Um, honestly, I was looking for a new way, a new technique in editing my static photography. And I started playing with the technique in Photoshop and I just kind of found a new way to tell a story. And we're, I'm exploring through this new medium to see how I can help a new generation or, and the current generation of people out there to really connect with the automotive scene. How long have you been working on it? Uh, we're about three months into it now. Um, it's been, uh, each car takes about, when I started, each car took about 12 or 14 hours. I've got that down to about eight hours per car to draw them out. What's the most difficult part? Curves. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, well, you know, rendering a curve based on a set of reflections into 2D without color, without making it so crazy so many lines and so forth that'd be boring to color it's been of rendering all that out it's been really fun really challenging to figure out that technique um, on every car so what are your goals with the coloring book um currently the goal uh is to raise five thousand dollars on kickstarter uh, that'll allow us to do a production run um of about 500 copies that'll give us enough to fill all the uh, pledge levels plus have about 150 to take to um, amazon to put on their marketplace and see if it has a larger audience. Who is your target audience? Um, everyone. Everyone. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm, air, I'm air, arrogant enough that I think car guys and car gals currently will enjoy it. I think the kids will gravitate towards it. But I think this is a general individual that has somewhat of car bug, but not what I would call a car person will enjoy it as well because it's really um, it's a journey, not just a, hey, here's a bunch of pretty cars. At least that's what I'm trying to create. Uh, to that end, I have a daughter who is not a car person, but is a heck of an artist, and she's been having a lot of fun with uh, one of the prints that I printed off for her. So uh, I think your everyone estimation may not be too far out of line. Now, here's the really important question. <laughs> Which page is my damn Corvette on? <laughs> So I'm going to go with page 23, but honestly, I'm <laughs> I'm still playing with the layout. Um, I, I have drawn your 60 Corvette. Have um, you? But I'm not sharing that with you yet. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm still tweaking it. But uh, I'm still bouncing as I finish all the drawings um, to make sure that experience is right, making sure 
that we keep the familiar mixed in with the unfamiliar to keep keep that feeling of going to a car show or a really high-end rally there instead of this becoming this collection of pre-cars. Now, for all those who don't already know, Ped and I hang out uh, as friends. He's not just somebody I have on the show every now and then. What the hell are we going to do since we're not going to Monterey this year? Go to Monterey. There's nothing to cover. There's a pretty highway. There's a bunch of... I, I don't know what I'm going to do. It, it kind of ruined my year. I'll um, bet you we can ch- rent that crap house we got last year for next to nothing. <laughs> I, I, hey, you I, know, I've heard Party Cove over at Lake of the Ozarks is just like Monterey. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it's not. No, no, no. it's not. It's no. close. No, um, I'll probably throw Redneck real Riviera. close. Yeah. No, I'll probably throw my money back and uh, hope Amelia Island goes in the spring. Hey, Thanks for coming on, Ped. As always, it's fun to have you here. Uh, I'm just glad to be back in studio with all you guys. I missed you, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, really, you really happy. Really, really happy to be back in studio and back doing what we really love to do. Uh, we've been speaking with Ped Watt of Watt Design Photography about what, what? his new coloring book for car fans and everyone, so he claims. Uh, you can find all the links to all of Ped's social media, photography, as well as links to the Kickstarter page for the coloring book on readthedriven.com. As always, fun to have you here. And uh, we gotta we got to go and do another cruise soon, just so long as we don't get run over by the cops. Uh, Thank you for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt and Catfish Groves. Thank you for listening, and we will see you here next time on Driven Radio. Driven Radio.